Welcome to this week's episode of This Week in Diaspora History on the Jewish Diaspora Report. Let's get started. March 23, 1949, Rosh Hanikara, Israel. Israel and Lebanon signed an armistice agreement. The negotiations took place on the Israel-Lebanon frontier. There were few problems in negotiations, progress was rapid, and on the 23rd of March, an agreement was signed. It ratified the international border between the former Palestine and Lebanon as the armistice line. Israeli forces withdrew from a number of Lebanese villages that were seized during the operations in 1948. The main points were that the provisions of this agreement were being dictated exclusively by military consideration. The armistice, or Green Line, was drawn along the international boundary between Lebanon and former Mandatory Palestine. Israel withdrew its forces from 13 villages in the Lebanese territory which it occupied during the war, and there would be no more threats of war between the two countries. Unfortunately, this agreement between countries is not respected by terrorist organizations that operate from southern Lebanon. Conflict between these terrorist organizations in southern Lebanon and Israel continue to this very day. March 24, 1862, New York, United States of America. The Purim Association of the City of New York was organized for the purpose of arranging annual Purim balls. In the January 13, 1860 issue of the Jewish Messenger, Mayor Isaac submitted an editorial which stated that Purim should be selected as a fancy dress ball and proceeds should be donated to charity. Although the Purim Association was founded by Jews, people of all faiths could be invited. Over the years, the association raised approximately $180,000 for over 25 educational and religious organizations. This display of high society entertainment with a philanthropic emphasis had a positive effect on the attitudes of both Jews and non-Jews towards American Judaism. The annual Purim balls of the association were incredibly successful. The first ball sold 1,300 tickets at $5 each and set a standard for all the balls to follow. Successive balls were held in such noteworthy places as the Metropolitan Opera House, Madison Square Garden, and Carnegie Music Hall. Since the original group of men who organized the association were in their early to mid-twenties when it was formed, when they got married and had families, their dedication to the association waned. Eventually, the death of the original members led to the death of the Purim Association. The 37-year history of this widely successful philanthropic Jewish organization came to a close, but not without leaving a mark on American society and even more importantly, American Judaism. It is estimated that the Purim Association contributed over $300,000 to charity, but the amount it contributed renewed the respectability of Jews and reaffirmed their ability to be accepted as productive members of society. This cannot be measured. March 25, 1911, Kyiv, Russia. The discovery of a mutilated body of Andrei Yashinsky near Kyiv, Russia led to the infamous trial of Mendel Bayliss on ritual murder charges. On March 20, 1911, the mutilated body of Andrei Yashinsky, a 12-year-old boy, was discovered in a cave on the outskirts of Kyiv. At the funeral, leaflets circulating the blood libel were distributed by members of the reactionary Black Hundred Group, also known as the Union of Russian People. Meanwhile, the police investigation traced the murder to a gang of thieves associated with a woman, Vera Chibierek, notorious for criminal dealings. However, the reactionary anti-Semitic organizations led by the Black Hundred pressured the anti-Semitic Minister of Justice to conduct an investigation of the crime of ritual murder. 
Accordingly, the chief district attorney of Kiev disregarded the police information and instead looked for a Jew on whom to blame the crime, through whom the entire Jewish people could be publicly indicted. In July 1911, a lamplighter testified that on March 12th, the day Yashinsky disappeared, he had seen him playing with two other boys on the premises of a brick kiln owned by a Jew named Zaitsev. He also alleged that the Jew had suddenly appeared and kidnapped Yashinsky, pulling him towards the brick kiln. On the strength of this testimony, Mendel Bayliss, the superintendent of the brick kiln, was arrested, sent to prison where he remained there for two years. The trial of Bayliss took place in Kiev from September 25th through October 28, 1913. The lamplighter and his wife, on whose testimony the indictment of Bayliss rested, when questioned by the preceding judge, answered, We know nothing at all. They confessed that both had been confused by the secret police and made to answer questions they did not comprehend. Two Russian professors of high standing spoke on behalf of the defense in praise of Jewish values and exposed the falsity of the ritual murder hypothesis. The jury, composed of simple Russian peasants, after several hours of deliberation, unanimously declared Bayliss not guilty. Bayliss, who had remained in danger of revenge by the Black Hundred, left Russia with his family for Eretz Israel in 1920. He settled in the United States. March 26, 1979, Washington, D.C., United States of America. Prime Minister Menachem Begin and Egypt's President Anwar Sadat signed a formal peace treaty between the two countries at the White House. The Egypt-Israeli treaty was signed by both leaders and witnessed by the United States President Jimmy Carter. The peace treaty between Egypt and Israel was signed 16 months after Egyptian President Anwar Sadat's visit to Israel in 1977, with intense negotiations happening. The main features of the treaty were mutual recognition, ceasefire of the state of war that had existed since 1948, and normalization of relations and the withdrawal of the Israeli armed forces from the Sinai Peninsula, which Israel had captured since the Six-Day War in 1967. Egypt agreed to leave the Sinai Peninsula demilitarized. The agreement provided for free passage of Israeli ships through the Suez Canal and recognition of the Straits of Tehran and the Gulf of Aqaba as international waterways. The agreement also called for an end of Israeli military rule over the Israeli-occupied territories and established a full autonomy of the Palestinian inhabitants of the territories, terms that were initially not implemented but became the basis for the Oslo Accords. The agreement notably made Egypt the first Arab state to officially recognize Israel. Not long after, Anwar Sadat was assassinated for creating the peace that still exists today. This has been another episode of This Week in Diaspora History on the Jewish Diaspora Report. Don't forget to check out our other episodes and check us out online at jdr.podcast on Instagram. We'll see you next time. <laughs>